The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Psychovertical podcast. I'm your host, Andy Kirkpatrick. Another week has gone past, I think, and uh, I'm sitting here thinking I need to do a podcast. So I was, I had a few, had a few, um, few ideas. Like I really need to start interviewing some people, but I'm just a bit, a bit too lazy. I was thinking of actually doing a podcast with my dad. Uh, I thought, it'd actually, I thought it'd be quite interesting to do a podcast with my dad and my son so it'd be like three generations of uh Kirkpatrick's uh but then I thought my son would probably not say anything you'd be like mm. um I think it'd be quite in- might be interesting that kind of idea uh I remember once I went I was uh I was at the Kendall Film Festival and there was someone there from the BBC and they came over kind of knew them they came over to uh I was there with my kids Ella and Ewan they came she came over and she's like oh Ella, what are you doing that these days? And Ella's like, "Well, I'm doing my A levels, and I'm doing A level maths, and I'm going to do a degree at university, and I've got a blah blah blah." And she was like, all like, you know, like super positive. And then she's like, "And you, and what are you doing?" And you was like, uh, it just kind of like shrugged. And I thought that it really sums up the two, the two of them really. So, um, boys, boys and girls, very different. So. Yeah, but then I, th- I was thinking it'd be quite interesting to, after the last podcast about sort of strength and fitness and all that kind of stuff, it w- I thought it'd be quite interesting to talk to my dad because not only is he, he's got like decades of kind of like climbing kind of uh, thing, uh, experience. Like he's one of these um, dark horse people where you will mention something like Mount Deborah in, uh, is it in Alaska or in or in uh, Canada, Mount Deborah. Anyway, it's up there somewhere cold and horrible. You know, you know, Mount Deborah is like famous for being, you know, a very serious kind of mountain. Uh, for some reason, like the Mount Deborah came up. I My mean, dad was like, "Oh, I went to, I was went to try and climb that." 
and he went on an expedition like the 1970s or something. So he's uh, quite interesting. But when he joined the Air Force, uh, when he was like really young, he was like 18 or 19 or something. I think he went in, he was a, a PTI, physical training instructor. And so this was like 1960s. So I thought it'd be quite, it would have been quite interesting to, to talk to him about um, physical training in the in those days. Because this, you know, that's kind of before, you know, sort of modern kind of things. And I, I, I kind of, I was like talking to him the other day about it. And he, he mentioned how, like in those days, cause I think I was talking about like, running with these sort of shoes which are like neutral like or you know they've, they've got almost like no padding on them whatsoever and you're saying oh when i was in the in the air force like we just had like uh plimsolls like we didn't have you know running shoes you know everyone just wore plimsolls which are you know like just flat flat like uh um is it basketball boots what they call them anyway those those kind of boots so that, that was kind of that was kind of interesting and i remember he, he also once said how he saw like a kettlebell in my house and he's like, oh, we used to have those like in the 1960s or something. And they, you hear a lot of stuff about kettlebells coming from Russia and all this kind of stuff. And he, he said they're actually, you know, they, they were actually at some, at some point in time, you know, they were actually quite common. And I guess people like farmers that would use those for lifting the weight onto like big scales for weighing um, big sacks of stuff. And uh, so he said like they'd, somewhere he'd been that they'd, they'd had like kettlebells like in the 1960s so that was interesting anyway so maybe i'll maybe i'll uh i'll ask him i'll get him get him on the podcast but um but then i was uh then i was thinking i was i was thinking i've been thinking recently about the, i'm so i'm seeing my son sort of uh growing up and he's kind of he's got famous in the in the village where i live because we go we go to the park every day and he, although he's only like nine months old, he can actually climb up the slides. There's like three slides, like a baby slide, like a medium slide, and a and a bigger slide that's got like like wavy slide. And he's now managed to, without any help, managed to climb up all all of them up the slide side. Where a lot of you see a lot of kids who are like two can't do it. So I think the reason is that he doesn't wear any shoes. Uh, so it actually makes it a lot easier if you don't wear don't wear shoes. And maybe he's not had any bad accidents, and he actually slides down the slide as well. So, I I'm assuming he he hasn't got he hasn't had enough accidents to make him more like a cautious a cautious child. Maybe he's got bad maybe he's got short term memory or something, which is, which is like very important if you're you know um, I think like one of the most important things if you want to be an alpinist is a short term memory and uh, and then some other things, but I don't remember what they are. So. Um, so yeah, so I was mean I've been thinking about like, you know, when you're bringing up a child, what things you want to instill into them, and one thing one thing I was thinking of was uh, which is a very old fashioned thing, which is honor. This idea of honor, and uh, there was a there was an article recently. It was in like climbing climbing like climbing and rock and ice and outside all seem to be the same thing now so the the uh they just anyway so there was some article there about like i, did, I didn't read it so i shouldn't i shouldn't be i shouldn't be critical but there was uh some article about um like how, how climbing has has allowed me to be vulnerable and you know and accept my masculinity and all that kind of fucking bullshit 
Um, like people have been like have allowed to be vulnerable and have fucking you know masculinity since forever. Like it's fucking bullshit. You know, like if you go and look, go and look, watch any kind of Marlon Brando film from the 1950s, 1960s, go and watch any, like all these Humphrey Bogart, all these people, they all, you know, the, the culture wasn't this, uh, like, this is Sparta, you know, it, was, it wasn't, like, it's not been like that ever, so it's, uh, it's just, anyway, I should go and read it before I start being critical, but anyway, but it was, but the, I think the idea of, um, uh, <laughs> the idea of what's the what do you call it when you um what what oh god my brain's going empty like a um chivalry like the idea of sh- chivalry is that right but the the idea that you can be you can be masculine but you're also able to defend people who are less able than you you know to stand up for other people and. Uh, um to not be to not be a coward basically you know when you like I, I might have told this story on the podcast but i had i had this thing where i was going into a supermarket and all these kids were standing outside and they were spitting on this kid and like uh, everyone was just, like walking past and the kid had this kind of look on his face which if you ever le- if you ever see like someone who's about to get murdered like in africa by some or like you know, someone gets captured and he's gonna in Ukraine is about to be murdered by somebody. They'll always do this kind of smiling, begging, you know, begging kind of thing, and uh, on their faces, which is must be like an animalistic kind of thing to try and get pity off someone when you're not, you're just not going to get pity off someone when you do that. Um, and uh, anyway, so I was like, oh, this is bullshit. Like, so I went back outside and I was like, like, hey, stop doing that. And I'd like grabbed the kid and I kind of pulled the kid away and he kind of went away. But, um, you know, you can be masculine and you can sort of stand up, you know, but also you can be, you know, you can be vulnerable. But you just you just have to get the balance between the two. You can't be 100% masculine and you can't be 100% vulnerable. And I think, you know, that these days, you know, you're, you're surrounded by, but with any idea of, of masculinity being like toxic or evil or whatever which is you know again like bullshit so um so yes yeah, so i think this idea this idea of uh chivalry i don't know if chivalry is the right kind of word really but the uh of because of, you do see you when you see kids in the park you know you're watching all these kids they're only like two years old three years old and you can see them like developing to human beings like they they can't um you know, like about sharing or or knowing when it's their turn and all that kind of stuff to to do things and to protect kids who are smaller than them and maybe protect kids from other kids and uh, it's very it's very interesting. But Noah is actually, um, I think, for his size, is like extremely strong. I think because of the way he's he's been like <laughs> brought up, which is like no, he's not been brought up at all. He's kind of bringing himself up. He's just half off around the house like he just he just uh like twice i've caught him at like at the top of the stairs now without when the stair gate was open but um uh yeah he was like he was on the slide no it's not going to be like me talking about my kids here but i he was on top of this he was on the slide he, he climbed the top of the slide and he wanted to slide down the slide and this fucking two-year-old three-year-old kept like coming up the slide so he couldn't come come down and then he would go past him and then he would like 
bully him out the way and then he would slide down so Noah couldn't slide down. And before Noah could go down, he would come back up again. He was just being an arse, basically, this kid. And I just thought, like, I'll just... Um, I'll just watch. I'll just watch. I'll just. I won't do anything. I'll just see what happens because it's like a good lesson, good lesson in life, basically. And uh, anyway, the kid was like sitting on the edge of the slide, and Noah just like did this massive push, and just pushed him down the slide. It's like, you know, nine-year-old child like pushed this kid down the slide. And there's a few. There's a few interactions with them in this park where Noah was basically. Like I don't know if he was dominating, but he was definitely he was doing he was doing a few things where I think the child was probably like, oh, this is not just a baby. I can't just you know just get away with this kind of this kind of uh, treating like a little baby. Like it's actually you might have to do me some damage. So so yeah, so it's, it's interesting that these old old fashioned ideas of like honor and uh, and all that kind of stuff. Like I was. A really good podcast I was listened to recently was this uh, uh, Barry Weiss, uh, who's a woman, not a man, who used to work for New York Times. Got this quite a good podcast called Honest Honesty, Honestly, Honestly, and she uh, does an interview with um, uh, Peter Bogosian, who's like a an academic who uh, made up all these um, to, to sort of point out how critical race theory and all these critical theories are all bullshit. He basically created all these like fake ones, uh, fake uh, papers that were peer peer reviewed and stuff about how the penis is a you know the penis is a is an illusion and all this kind of climate change is to do with the penis and all this kind of stuff anyway but it's a very it was a very interesting podcast interviewing him because basically he's had to um basically resign um due to you know due to having to trying to trying to conform into uh how people want him to be and to toe the line and i thought that's kind of quite all quite an old-fashioned idea because most to be honest 80 percent of people are just a very cowardly you know it's not it's not their fault it's just how it's just how nature works like they're just cowardly people and they'll just do anything just to you know just to just to get along you know just to get by basically and not not cause a fuss so but it's quite you know i think that's an interesting thing is it's never really factored in to thinking because you know the majority of people are cowardly you forget that there's a minority of people who aren't cowardly you'll do everything even even if it's against their own you know you know it, it'll damage them in some way they'll actually go they'll do things just to prove that they're not cowards even if it's very detrimental to them to their careers or their lives or whatever um so yeah, it's quite. It's, it's like, do you want do you want to bring your kids up to be like that? I don't know. Um, and maybe it's a maybe it's a bad. Maybe you should just tell your kids just uh, just keep the just keep your heads down. Like I noticed, I noticed when I've ever done talks and lectures in uh, in Eastern European sort of countries like Czechoslovakia, Poland, uh, even uh, even Finland, which is technically isn't Eastern European, but it's it's in that sort of that re you know area so um is that people are very they like it's actually the same if you meet a lot of like slovaks latvians polish people like in the in uh in ireland or in, in the uk and places is that there is that kind of gray man sort of mentality or gray woman mentality where you try and um you, you try and blend in you don't want to be like picked out or to be demonstrated to be you know something you know someone who might be trouble like someone who's got their own ideas and uh um 
you know, could be a antisocial element. So it's yeah, it's maybe it's a it's a it's, yeah, it's an interesting uh, conundrum whether you want your kids to be a pain a pain in the ass. Um, like recently, someone on like a like basically, I can't really get anything published by any any sort of climbing magazines or anybody like that anymore because I'm just uh, <laughs> passata non grata is that kind of just some kind of Italian uh, tomato sauce idea <laughs> persona non grata so um, and uh, yeah and someone recently said like he basically doesn't want anything to do with me because he doesn't like me and uh, I could have got really angry, you know, I could have got like, I got angry with someone recent, well, like last year about this kind of thing of not wanting to publish anything I write because he thinks I'm a racist or something. And, uh, and uh, uh, but this time I was just, I think because I'm not on social media, I, don't, I seem to have like, don't react quite in the same way as I used to. But I was just, I think I just said like, hopefully one day we'll, we'll sit down and We'll sit down somewhere and you'll realise I'm not the person you think I am. And, uh, you know, so it's, but yeah, so it's, it's a, it's a, it's a funny, it's a funny trait. I don't know if it's, I, I, I'm never quite sure if it's a class thing. I'd, like I don't, I know in the UK, I think, you know, people have this idea that working class people in the UK are very kind of docile and, um, you know, they're, they're, if you read like any, you're like George Orwell, um, Road to, Wig, Road to Wigan Pier and those kind of books. Was it the, the English and you know his? I've read like quite most of his books, but they, you know, the description of uh, of the English and the probably not the Scots, but the, you know the the English basically, you know these very placid kind of people are actually quite kind and very kind of accommodating and things, but they are actually also quite bolshy. and I think they if you look through maybe it's the same with most people. They're not like the French, of course, but they're. You know they're uh, they're kind of pragmatic, but they also, um, you know, they're not they're not you know there's a, there's quite a lot of uh, sort of bloodshed in the past of like dealing with I guess the minor strike all those kind of things. It's like a there's a there's that thing the yin and the yang the the darkness and the light and all that kind of stuff. There's some kind of thing between the two the two, you know you you need the balance of the two the two things again. Maybe it's about like vulnerable you're. The, the masculine and the vulnerable and the vulnerable um you know the weakness so you you know you're you have you know you're weak you have no real power if you're sort of at the bottom of society but that also gives you quite a lot of um uh freedom because you have no power like I, I used to think that when i was living in in london like you'd get like if you're black um you know like i, I lived in peckham so if you live if you're living in peckham you know you basically kind of minority if you're if you're white or whatever so um but you would see you know it's there was a there was a there's a thing where people obviously don't seem to have a lot of money like they're living in like a shitty kind of council estate like like i kind of i i you know i grew up in but the you have you, you can sort of be it doesn't cost any money to be sort of like physically intimidating if you know what i mean um, like you know, if you're going to like Eton or Harrow, you don't really have to be physically intimidating because you know you're at the most expensive school in the world, and your parents are loaded, and your whole life is you know everything's great. You can be very civilized, but if you're living in you know um, you know sort of Peckham or Newcross or something like that, you know you uh, Manchester, you're 
you know you, you the only thing you might have is like that kind of masculine physical um you know i've got nothing to lose kind of kind of thing so i don't know what that's got to do with uh, uh climbing but um so yeah but i was like thinking what am i going to talk about because i better i better, better do a podcast it can't be I, i've got a I've got a few things to do, and I thought like that. This is the easiest. It, it, this is the easiest one to do. I'm supposed to be laying a patio, like a very rock and roll. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of never la- never done anything like this before, so I'm like laying this fucking patio, and I'm trying to learn via YouTube videos. So I'm going along, but it's like a bit of a it's a bit of a bodge bodge job, really. But um, and it just rains here all the time. So literally it's like, oh, I've got like an hour before it's going to rain. I'll go out and like do one flagstone and mix some cement. But it's kind of good. It's very good. Uh, it's very honest, honest work. And you can see what you've done. You know, you look down and you go like, oh, there's like four more slats, you know, slabs sort of down. And it looks kind of better than it did. And uh, so, yeah, so it's, so it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's interesting. So, but then I was watching this uh, Dave McLeod video. Uh, Dave McLeod's just done this like new route somewhere uh, in Scotland of Ben Nevis, and there's a bit where he's got these uh, sky hooks uh, for protection. Uh, is it like an E11 or something like that, E10 or something? Anyways, Dave McLeod has so many. Dave McLeod basically makes climbing boring, I reckon, because he's like so good. He's like you know super good, but he's just a bit. I'm not saying he's boring. But he kind of makes it a bit boring because it's so good, if you know what I mean. You know, it's just like, oh, I want, I wanted to do this E7, and it turned out to be E11, and uh, and I did it. And it was like that, you know, it's like, and then I did another one the day after, and then uh, this, that was only E10, or, you know, I've got, and I hurt my arm, broke my ankle. You know, he's, 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 he's very Scottish, I think. You know, he's very, he's very, he's very Scottish, so he's, uh, um, I wonder what it'd be like if he was in if he remade Braveheart instead of having an Australian at Dave McLeod as uh as um but yeah maybe it's more like um maybe it's more like uh, Liam Neeson in um is it Rob Roy I said no that's a much better film anyway no offense to Dave McLeod so um but anyway watching this video with the skyhooks it reminded me that I've I often get uh, people asking about skyhooks and skyhooks are. They're probably like the the butt plug of <laughs> the butt plug of climbing equipment. <laughs> anyway, they're they're uh, no we won't, we won't go down that route. But they're um uh they're like, greatly misunderstood things now. So skyhooks have been around for a very long time. Um, you you know the in Victorian times they had some kind of sort of like cliff hook kind of devices and you had like grappling hooks from you know from like you know a thousand years ago for like scaling um like castle walls stuff like that and um and you still have kind of uh i think like do you know when you uh, when people are trying to get onto uh uh, ship ships you know they use like grappling hooks they have like hooks on the end of big poles so they can hook over the top and like jumar up the uh up the ropes up the upper ropes and stuff to get onto a ship and they also use them uh to get onto like oil rigs so if you're if you're in like the the navy or something you know you're you um if you're some sort of secret secret person you have they um i think they're like 
they uh, they pull up in a submarine just underneath, just next to the the oil rig in the night. Then they come out and they 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 somehow um, get the hooks up onto the oil rig, and then they uh, they jumar up, and he's like, you know, they're very good at jumaring. And then they uh, they also have um, uh, some sort of it's clockwork, but anyway, they have um, systems where they can you know automatically climb up a rope, so you can get like petrol driven things which like they'll climb up a rope like you know instead of using Jumars it just automatically lifts you up there but they also have like silent versions of these things uh I once I once was on the island of Mull and I was like staying at a castle great story I was staying in a castle and the guy there was a, a just he'd left them the Royal Marines and we were having like a a, a a brew or something and he was telling me that one time when he was in the Marines they said um you know, he's like he, he probably must be like a young recruit or something. They said, "Oh, we want we want people to volunteer to be uh, terrorists, and what you have to do, you have to take over this. You're going to be like put on this oil rig in the North Atlantic, and then the uh, special forces are going to try and take it off you." And he says, "Like uh, you know, and if you know, you'll get like a steak, you know, you'll get like a big steak dinner and steak and chips and everything else. It's like a great, it'd be great." So he's like, oh, well, that sounds good. So he signed up, and they give him, they give him like an AK forty seven and some kind of uh, thing to put around his head, like he was like a Middle Eastern terrorist. And uh, they got dropped off on this oil rig. It must have been like an old oil rig because nobody, nobody was on it, and uh, there was like standing there, and um, and I don't know how long he was there, but it said like all of a sudden he heard like a helicopter coming, and then the next second there was like just people like so people in black just appeared from nowhere and just like <laughs> beat them up just like basically just attack them and beat them up beat them up like really really badly and uh just then tied him up and zip locked him and you know all this kind of well and then like, chucked him onto this helicopter and then you know he, he never got his steak dinner basically and uh but he said he was like he was like, he was surprised how quickly these people could just appear i guess they were like fast roping down um things i think i i i climbed with someone who who was in the marine royal marines he told a really awful story about once they were like fast roping down uh a rope into somewhere so you know fast roping is you have like a gym rope and you're like a big thick rope and you, you just you throw it down and you throw it back the back of a helicopter or something and then each person grabs it and then just slides they have like leather gloves on like slides down and each person, one is literally one person above the other. This like bang, 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 and they would they were doing this, and basically because of the the downdraft or whatever, the the rope disappeared underneath the helicopter, and there was one guy who still was on the rope, and then the helicopter like just lifted off and flew off with this guy on the end of the rope, and he unfortunately just came off the rope. But the um the uh, yeah, fast fast roping. It's kind of weird. It's a weird thing when you're in. I guess if you go to a gym, you can, you can, uh, you can do it. But it's very hard to climb a rope. I don't know if you've ever tried it. Like I did one of those like tough mudder things when I was in the Middle East. And uh, yeah, when it came to climbing the rope, I was shit. I just I, there's a real um, technique I think for climbing a gym rope, and you have to be strong. So I was. Uh, so yeah, what was my point? I can remember now. Yeah, hooks. Yeah, so using hooks for non-climbing related things are kind of, kind of useful. Um, so, so, so 
but big wall kind of, big wall climbing hooks. I think the first, I think Clog might have been Clog in the UK, who was like set up by Denny Denny Moore House, I think, uh, Welsh company. Uh, they were making a kind of sky hook, weird little tiny little sky hook thing, and uh, and also Ed Leeper in America, uh, he was making sky hooks, and the kind of Leeper style. Skyhook is still in production to you know still made today by somebody else by Moses. Uh, Ed Leeper died like a few years ago. Like Ed Leeper was like a remarkable. He was one of these people. It's a bit like Ray Jardine where he was like some kind of rocket scientist. And I once in the days of the internet, I actually rang Ed Leeper up, and he was like, you know, old old geezer somewhere in uh, Boulder, Colorado, and I had a really long conversation with him like on on the work phone. And I worked outside, and we ordered a load of um, sort of stuff from from the US, which was kind of cool. Uh, it, was, it was in those days you had this r- a real different thing. You go to like you go to America, and you go to like climbing shop in San Francisco, like the old like marmot marmot shop in San Francisco, and you'd just be full of all this gear that you'd never seen before. Like this was when aliens were just, were just coming out in America, and like no one had ever seen an alien in the in the UK, and you'd have. You know, you'd have just thought loads of stuff that you never, you never saw. You know, like I remember we had, we had like one black diamond ice screw, and it was like seventy nine pounds. It was like a cost of fortune. You know, you had one black diamond ice screw, you know, on the on the wall, and then you had a load of shit ice gear that didn't work. Like you had like DMM sort of screws and snar, um, low snarks and all that kind of stuff. Just like some like crappy titanium ones that you bought off some Russian guy that you sold in the shop, and they they didn't work either. So it's uh, so it was always really ex- exotic. It was always exciting going to like climbing shops. I like go to the climbing shop in Yosemite. It just seems so amazing. Like you can see why people you always thought America was like so much better because because it, it was before the whole world became America. It was it was a uh, you know it was uh, before globalization. It was uh, it was really cool to go into different places. And same in Italy. I mean, same in in Spain. You go to Spain, you would see um, gear that you wouldn't see. Uh, over in the UK and stuff, so a little, like oh, little brands that just didn't didn't appear really. Um, so uh, yeah, so 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 Ed Leeper was making. He made like two kinds of skyhook, and they were like out of uh, they were actually quite heavy duty metal, and one was pointed. Uh, the idea was you would like you could drill a hole and you could put it into the hole like a bat hook. It's called. You drill a hole maybe like 10, 10 centimetres deep and then put the hook inside it. Or you could use it on really, really small, tiny little edges. And then the other hook was a little, um, was a flat hook. And the again, the hook, the actual, the actual, um, it was a very, so the throw, which is like the curve of the hook, uh, was about 10 centimetres, I think. And then the width was about 10 centimetres. So it's, so the actual base of the hook was very close to the rock. They're really you know, quite tiny these hooks, and the the big thing about them was they had like a the the bottom was curved, so it meant that you have like a three points of contact. You have the two the two bottom corners, and then the then the hook itself. And the the clog one, I seem to remember, it was like a piece of bent metal, and the bent the the bit there's a loop at the bottom, like like bent into the metal, and it was on the inside, so it was kind of a bit weird. Um, interestingly enough, Mick, Fla- Mick Fowler had one, and I think he always had it attached to his harness. And he would like he would have it on some cord, and he would like pull it up and like hook it 
into his ice axes or you know onto a hold or something but they're actually quite small and and um uh, paul ramsden uh had the same kind of thing he had like a hook that just tucked into his uh tucked into his harness rather than having like a fifi hook that you could potentially hook into something so a fifi hook is different a fifi hook if you don't know what it is fifi hook is basically replaces a carabiner um it's like a hook that you can hook into it's like a looks like a question mark and it's made out of stamped or forged out piece of metal and you attach it to maybe like a 30 centimeter piece of cord onto your bila loop and you would just like hook it into the gear so if you wanted to have a rest you'd like hook it into the gear if you're aid climbing hook it into the gear uh if you're ice climbing it's not it's not very really, doesn't really work very well because your ice axe is usually you know it's like arm's length away so it won't reach uh but they're kind of good it's almost like a th- it almost like it frees you up like if you ever do any if you ever have to frig your way up something or aid up something that you know often you like you'll pull the rope you'll pull yourself up on the rope and go like take me tight and then then you'll uh you know you'll do another piece of gear in and you'll clip the other rope in and you'll take me tight on that rope and then give me slack on the other rope but basically instead of doing that you just hook the fifi hook in so it's a mo- it's much easier when the fifi hook it has a little hole in the top and you have a piece of cord through and you pull that piece of cord to release it so it's uh it's a very it's a really handy thing like a trick people used to do apparently in the olden days if you want to do like a free ascent of a route that you would cheat and that you would like clip the rope into the gear the gear would be like above your your waist and then you would stand on the rope you would press the rope against the rock with your foot so you could basically like take some weight on the rope without the B layer feeling the rope. So anyway, so um, uh, so if he, a good a, a, a cool story about a Phoebe hook was Simon Yates once told me that he was climbing. What do you use? He was climbing and he was climbing the 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 um, the Colton McIntyre on the Grand Jurass, sort of thin ice ice route thing. And he was climbing up. What was it? What did he do? He was climbing up and he got to this B layer and there was a peg. And I think they were moving together. And I think there was some slack between him and the guy behind him. Or maybe the guy was ahead of him. Maybe the guy was ahead of him and they were moving together. And there was a peg. And suddenly the guy ahead of him fell and started sliding down the the snow ice slope uh, with no gear in between them. And and uh and it just it just um simon just like threw his fifi hook into this into this peg that just happened to be there and it like held held the two of them which is kind of uh like a lot of fifi hooks probably wouldn't do that because if you fall on they generally bend out um and another famous story with a fifi hook was uh eric um um oh god what's his name eric jones Famous Eric Jones from Traumatic. He was soloing the Benatti Pillar, and he had his Fifi hook hanging down between his, you know, out of his harness. And he was like, I think he was just free soloing up this this crack with all these pegs in, and he just popped off. And as he as he was falling, the the Fifi hook like caught onto a peg, and like and saved his life. So, so yeah, but they're um when you often when you're doing like hard hard aid climbing. There's you sometimes you have uh, there's a way of setting it up. If you look if you look at my book um, Higher Education, there's like picture diagrams in there. But sometimes you might use like one fifi hook. Sometimes you might have two. You might have one uh, the loop you tie 
for the cord that goes into your main Fifi hook, you might tie have another Fifi hook in there. So you've got two, or you might um, just put a carabiner in there. So if you want to be like if you if you're top stepping, if the gear you're standing on is is like at your knees, you uh, you'll end up like pulling upwards on a Fifi hook, which means as soon as you take any weight off it, the tension it'll just come off, and then you could just, you don't want to be falling off when you're top stepping. Although these days, a lot of people use this thing called an Alfifi, which is like an adjustable, like you know, like a a, a a buckle which is adjustable, where you pull like a cam buckle. You know, you pull on it and it pulls tight, and you release it, and it, and it goes. You press the you press the thing, and it goes long, and you pull it, and all that kind of stuff. And welded into it is a Fifi hook, so it's quite a heavy duty thing. So what you do is like you place your gear, you you hook your Fifi hook in, and you sort of pull yourself up on it. And you can keep the, you can always keep a really lot of tension on it. So if you're top stepping, you uh, you can get into position, then pull it, and you create that tension between your your legs and your uh, legs and your waist. Um, speaking of which, a really amazing book to I highly recommend, even if you're not interested in big wall climbing, is uh, the um, the new kind of big wall climbing. By basically, it's kind of it's it's some it's some it's, it's it's like a much fancier version of, of higher education. Now, higher education is still is still a good book because it's like one person's view on lots of things. But this uh, big wall book by I can't remember. It's like a ta- I can't remember. I can't pronounce his name. Um, but it's pa- Pastor Piton's P, and uh, it's a translation of like an Ital- Italian book. And that's a really if you if you type in piton's pete you'll find it on amazon or something but that's a, that's a, that's an amazing book like that's a really it's quite expensive but it's like a huge book i got i've had it in, on in my toilet for like months now and it's just i never seem to have to read the same story twice i've got like stories just loads of de- like really really detailed kind of climbing book and it's, it's a great book for rock climbers or any, or anyone even though it's meant to be for big wall climbing it's got so much so much stuff in there so um so yeah, so the Fifi hooks are are kind of handy. Like one one little trick you do with a Fifi hook is if you're because it's on like a thirty centimeter piece of cord. Like sometimes if if you don't want to have it tied in, you can just lark's foot uh, a thirty centimeter sling into the Fifi hook, and then lark's foot the sling and the Fifi hook onto your belay loop. Uh, but if you want to, if it's too long, what you to what you do is you thread the whole thing through the carabiner you're clipping into and then hook the fifi hook back into your belay loop so you like half the distance between the two and that's kind of a that's a that's a good little trick to to develop um so the so the actual sky hook so fifi hooks have actually been around uh longer than sky hooks i expect because they'll be they were attached to uh old-fashioned kind of aiders like metal aiders etriers um so the, I'm I'm sure like probably people must be making sky hooks in the Dolomites and places, but the the first kind of mainstream one would probably be like the 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 Chouinard like cliffhanger, which was a slightly bigger, slightly bigger version, a slightly thinner metal version of the the leaper the leaper piton and uh, and. It's kind of that's probably like that was probably the the one that was like the most widely used because it had like a bigger throw. So the throw is more like say like an inch now or maybe less than an inch, but it's you know you can hook over like larger flakes and things. Um, 
and then if you look at the petzl the petzl um is it called like a p something it's called a weird thing but anyway the petzl one is a similar a similar shape that became like the shape of like a lot of a lot of sky hooks and the prob the problem with that kind of hook is it wasn't very good on really really small things it was kind of better for like bigger bigger flakes but also because it had a bigger throw and actually the metal was a little bit thinner like none of them were actually very strong like if you f if you fall on those kind of hooks the pestle one's stronger but the the black diamond one if you fall on them that they, they basically like bend out uh, quite easily um but weirdly enough the the leaper ones don't like the leaper ones although they're really really tiny they're actually amazingly strong and i think the leaper rated them like a thousand pounds which i don't know what that is in english money but it was i know like personally i've fallen taken like a daisy chain fall you know so which is a you know fall factor is that, is that two fall factor two onto a sling which is enough that to break a sling uh, but this is on a daisy chain, which which tend not to break. Um, on straight onto a, a, a leaper um, skyhook, and it didn't it didn't break. Um, so, like really really phenomenally strong. So I always, whenever people are looking for hooks to protect like rock roots, I always you know push them in that direction. Like the like that is the thing to get. You know if you're using like a some black diamond ones because they're bigger, you assume they're going to be stronger. But they're not. It's because of the actual uh, leverage on the on the tip is much is much greater because of the because of the throw. Um. So, so people. One thing people used to do, they would like modify the black diamond hooks. Now, now a little thing about sky hooking. If you ever want to go and climb big walls in Yosemite, you're gonna have this vision in your head that you're gonna be like there's gonna be like a matchstick edge and you gotta like put your hook on it and you gotta like like teeter up there and at any second the the hook's gonna you know the hook's gonna break or the think you know the edge is gonna break or something it's like terrifying the reality is is that it's actually piss easy it, I, the first time i ever used a sky hook was on the shield and you're on pitch like 27 or something so you're like like miles away from the you know you're like nearly a you know 800 meters off the deck on this overhanging sort of like barrel shaped head wall and you have to go from one crack into another crack and you have to do this like one hook move now the hook move is like is like piss easy it's basically it was it's just i seem to remember it was like it was just like a you know a hole or something and you put this hook in it and this you have never been so terrified in your life like you just think you just because when you're on the hook a hook actually flexes like the 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 black diamond hook start flexing and you just think it's gonna just flex out or something it's just terrifying but very very quickly as you do more and more hooking you realize that nearly like 99 percent of all the hooks you ever hook are actually very very positive like if you if you if you're reaching up along an edge you know like a like an edge you have to hook you'll you'll run your finger up and down and you'll find like a sweet spot where everyone has hooked and they'll actually be like a dint. And and I expect when people are doing new routes, they might actually enhance like an edge rather than putting a bolt in a rivet, they actually enhance the edge. And you hook the hook in there and you stand on it and you feel, you actually feel like safe. Like if you get on really hard, like big wall stuff, when you get to the hook, you'll feel safe. Like, oh, thank God for that. I'm on a sky hook. And then, you know, like you won't want to, you won't want to go from a sky hook onto like, you know, something else because it's, 
you know you kind of know what the hook's going to do and you really trust the rock there um like when you're on like crappier rock like sandstone or whatever you you know you, you're not so happy but the um the, the uh you know so it's funny the the how you uh how you view these things but like so the sky hooking is not that terrifying it's it's, it's pretty safe um as you, as you get like harder routes yes it gets they can get quite small but if you're not unless you're on the first ascent there'll generally always be something always something be, always be something there and on on um when i saw lord like see your dreams there was whenever things got whenever it got really really difficult it was always a case of like getting as high as you could you know like really really high on a piece of gear and really re reaching up as high as you could and you would always find some little little hole or something on an edge or something and that's what you, that's what you would use and on the famous the um the fly or not fly or die that's another that's another route the um uh nothing at all so that's another route uh what's it called it's got, there's a there's a there's like a pitch on the sea of dreams um What's it called? It's something I can't remember. Anyway, but basically, it's, it's you basically climb up this corner and then you sort of traverse out and then you do like a big, big pendulum, and then the uh, you you just on you're just hooking the whole way. There's like no gear whatsoever. There is actually you hook for maybe like twenty feet, and then you there is some like copperheads, but they're just shit. You wouldn't, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even look at them. You just, you just bypass them. But at that point, there is actually a big hook, and you can leave a hook behind as protection, and then you keep going, and eventually get to the beeler. Um, it's not called a fly or die, but it, <laughs> it's, it's not. Yeah, it should, it should be. Like I don't know if you, if you fell off, maybe you'd, maybe you'd survive, but you'd be, you'd get a hell of a, you'd get a hell of a fright. Um, I remember what, actually when I when I cleaned that pitch, I made this like stupid error, which is which is common with people who are like not very good at maths. In the so you eventually got to the eventually got to the B layer, and I abseiled down my whole line back down to the the B layer, and then uh, released my whole bags. The whole bags went out. Then I had to juma back up the rope to clean the pitch. So you kind of go up this corner. And then you start like traversing out out across the wall, and there's like a few rivets and a peg or something. And eventually you get to this uh, the 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 lower off point, the point you lowered off to swing over and start hooking. And now the rope is now going um, is going horizontally across and up a little bit to the beeler, and there's no gear whatsoever. Like as soon as you start jumaring. All the all the copperheads and the hook and everything just got lifted off the route, lifted off. So you just got the anyway. So if the if the gear you're on this like a single rivet or something, if it was to break, you might end up killing yourself because you would take this massive pendulum across the wall into into another corner. So um, for some reason, I can't remember why. I think. I can't remember why. I, not what normally what you would do, you would you would uh, untie from the end of the rope because you tied into the rope when you're jumaring up. You would untie from the end of the rope. You would feed it through the lower out point and you would tie back into it, and then you would take so the rope would go not on your harness 
through the piece of gear that you load off on and then you would attach that to your to a belay device or your grigri you would lever yourself so you were tight so you have on this loop you would lever it tight so you're hanging on that loop you're not, no longer hanging on the rope itself like the climbing rope and then you would unclip the climbing rope and then you would slowly lower yourself down so you create this this loop is getting longer and longer and longer and longer and longer and longer and then eventually you can untie from the rope and then pull the rope through and then you'd like swing the rest of the way over or ideally you'd lower it all the all the way all the way out but for some reason i had this uh this piece of long cord which was maybe 20 meters long or something and i was like actually i'll just i think i never used it for lowering off and i thought like i'll just i'll use that instead for some reason so i tied into the end of this cord like six mil cord and i threaded the cord through the um maybe maybe i wanted to save the get the carabiner off otherwise you'd have to lower off the carabiner so maybe i was gonna i was being a skin flint so maybe i threaded the rope through the hanger or something and then attached it into my into a belay device and i pulled myself tight and then i unclipped the rope so now i'm like hanging on this like loop of six mil cord and i started lowering myself down lowering myself down and of course like because it was a loop i only went i went 10 meters and then it's then i ran out of run out of rope i actually had to go probably about at least 20 meters to lower out to be able to uh to be safe so just like i was just stuck there like oh fuck what am i gonna do what am i gonna do i'm like i've run out of rope and there's nothing nothing i can do like if i let go if i let the rope through my hand now i'm just gonna go flying across the wall and i'm gonna like whack myself into the into the corner or gonna the rope might the rope might catch on like my climbing rope i'm on my jumars it might catch on something and cut or my jumars might damage the rope or something i was like fuck what am i gonna do so what i ended up <laughs> what i ended up doing i ended up um like holding the rope above the belay device and i pulled the rope so i was holding that i didn't have to be so i pulled the rope through the belay device and i um i tied i tied the rope through um i tied the rope i had around the other rope the other the strand so the rope's coming not the six mil rope is going you know up through the gear and down to my hand so i tied the a loop of, of the rope in my hand to the other rope to the uh, six mil rope coming this that was under tension and then uh i just kind of let go of it so the idea was that i would just like fly down the fly swing but when the uh, when the when the knot f- flew back up the rope when it hit the end, it would be like it would create like a, it would stop it. it would hopefully, uh, so that's what I did. I just kind of let go of it, like ah, and I went like flying, flying down the wall, and then it went dang, 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 dang and then it like it like stopped, and uh, and I and I survived. It was like a stupid mistake, and uh, I think Neil Charlton did like climb that route after me, and he found this big long piece of. Like when he was leading that pitch, he just found this like twenty meter long length of cord just kind of dangling, dangling off this piece of gear. He's probably wondering what the hell it was. So, so yeah, so it's good. To, a lot of that, a lot of climbing like that, where it's complicated, it's you re, it's it's a real skill of like being able to work out what happens next. It's like um, a bomb disposal. Like if I cut this wire, what's what's going to happen? So, um. Uh, so yeah so so people started taking the black diamond hooks and they would start modifying them 
and you'll see photographs where um, they kind of sort of like file them into a point, like a 45 degree on, and on two sides, create like a triangular point on the end. But really you want, you, you kind of want, you don't want it to be like super, super sharp. Um, but you just want to have a more, more of a tapered kind of shape to the end. Because often you want, you want to be able to fit, uh, you might get little tiny pockets and little weird, you know, in a, inside of a crack or like you might, there might be a weird, there might be like a weird crack where you can't get any gear in it, but you could like hook a hook into it or something. So, so yes, yeah, so we all started filing, sort of started filing those kind of, uh, those hooks. So you'd see like hard, big wall climbers, like in the nineties that would, they would have those kind of hooks. And then in order to, in order to, ex, to, because um, a lot, a lot of the features you're actually hooking are actually quite big. Like, you know, it's like a jug, like your big flaky jug. You're like, oh god, that's great, you know. And so you'd want to hook a hook over it, but sometimes the the flake was too thick, so you'd end up having to like balance the hook on top of the flake, which didn't feel very good at all, especially if it was like a little bit slopey or something, or you'd be afraid the, you know, sometimes you'd there'd be like an a big a big a big uh, like a flat ledge, and you'd have to hook the hook so the hook was laying flat you know you'd be hooking on the back of the flake which was again like quite scary because you were felt like it was the it's all kind of weird so anyway fish who makes like big wall gear he he brought out this like fish hook uh which actually replaced people used to take like soft that soft big long soft pitons and hammer them to make them hooked at the end the ring a ring angled claw it was called so it was uh so but anyway you couldn't really you couldn't really get those so so they started you know making these uh um i guess they're made out of were they made out of aluminium actually they're quite heavy so maybe not maybe they're made out of steel but they were like these big silver hooks and he's like captain hook and a fish hook and the captain hook was a little bit bigger and they were they were like they were like great because they would they would hold like a really really big fall um so you would just hook hook those over you wouldn't really carry them on your harness if you got to a a beat a pitch like on this on um pacific ocean wall remember there's like a flake where you have to go along this flake and it was like really good they're really good for that kind of thing and then uh black diamond eventually brought out this uh the captain captain hook was it called no cliffhanger not cliffhanger uh is it the captain hook is that is that the fish one mm, grappling hook it's called yeah so they brought the they brought that the grappling hook and they also brought the talon and the grappling hook was like a much bigger it's probably not the same size as the fish hook but it wasn't as strong as a fish hook but it had a much bigger throw so it meant that you could carry that on your harness because it was it was a lot lighter and it would then you'd then be able to hook over like much bigger flakes and if you like people used to file those and that would make the that would make uh they seemed to work everywhere and it meant most climbers would just stop carrying the old-fashioned like uh, talon like black uh, the old-fashioned uh, cliffhanger sky hooks they, they kind of became redundant and then the, those hooks themselves ended up being modified and you would actually take one of these cliffhangers uh not cliffhangers you would take one of these um grappling hooks and you would cut off the first sort of 15 centimeters of it and it would create like a a hook where the throw was you know if you were like holding a if you had to hold a, a flat edge and you couldn't crimp it you had to like put your fingers flat on it to try and get as much friction as you can 
or like a slopey edge. It was like you would you would you do something like that where you just only have the most like a tiniest bit of positivity at the end, and it would work on really flat edges because you're always afraid if the if the edge is flat when you put the weight on it, like the um, the hook might skit skitter back, um, and it could come off. So so yeah, so you'd, you'd usually carry um, like if you're doing a hard edge route, you'd probably carry three of all the hooks so you'd have like yeah or maybe not so many of the small ones but you'd have like a big selection of hooks because you know some some one placement's only going to accept one hook but most of the time you could just you just use a a grappling hook that was um filed down now a talon was a hook where it had like three different three different options i'm sure you've seen it but it's you'd spin it around and one would be a, a pointed one would be like a like a filed flat one and one would be a flat one so you would you would uh you'd have some sort of you know you could ex- exploit whatever you whatever you found but because it and because it was three points had like it was quite stable but because it was very broad at the bottom because it was a three-pointed sky hook it meant it was actually quite hard uh it could you know if the rock was kind of weird weird features it wouldn't sit it wouldn't sit properly so like gender i always i always felt like a, a leaper hook was 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 the best um like the the small leaper hooks because they, they were just like a lot more solid like when you put them in and you stood on them you just felt really really solid like um like in the granite and uh one thing i always use i always i uh, use cord rather than tape to to like to um strip to string up the like do the um the extender on the on the hook and uh i found i always found cords much better like i had too many bad experiences where you had tape this like thin tape you could people used to put on the hooks but the tape tape would like a braid and eventually it would like snap and like a braided tape or slings you know they get incredibly weak when they when they get even like a little bit roughed up so you know if you're taking a like a daisy chain fall onto a piece of gear that could hold you but it but it doesn't because the tape snaps is like not not ideal. You want you want all the bits to be as strong as possible, and some some hooks that actually have um, a Dyneema on them as well, like like five mil Dyneema. To be, to be, to, like the Dyneema was like five thousand times stronger than the Sky Hook, but it was it was good for your for your morale, and uh, you don't want the you don't want the loop to be too small, like too um, close, because any kind of movement of the carabiner you're standing on could like upset the hook you want the hook so you want like a good distance between the two but not not massive because you don't want to be standing on a sky hook and you know be like you know three feet below it because because of the cord so long but you want like a you know 10 centimeter is is a good distance i think and then you tie it off with a overhand knot and you just push it through the hole and that that holds it there um like storing your sky hooks you always want to store them in a bag on your harness you don't have them clipped into your harness because they'll always get caught on everything like generally when you least want them to be caught on something they'll get caught on something uh and the same goes for like bad beaks because they're they're hooky things they'll hook on everything so you usually keep like your, your bad beaks and your uh your hooks in the same thing i usually have a bag it's called like a trick bag and the bag contains my my sky hooks basically hang inside the bag they're not actually stored in the bag they're like clipped in and then the, the quick the extenders they mean they like hang inside the bag and in that bag i also have uh, lots of weird little tiny little pitons and weird like trick trick gear that i might need if i'm doing like a you know like hard kind of aid, aid route kind of thing um 
so is that to do with that's all to do with hooks so the but the for free climbing and that kind of that kind of malarkey uh not so much winter climbing um you often see people like using hooks for protection not often but you see people using hooks for protection now people have used hooks for bee laying <laughs> but i think mainly it's uh you know the I, don't, I think it was like a, I think most of the time it was just like it was just a trick you know they'd have they'd have like one ball and then you know two sky hooks or something or I think there was that is it Ray K did a route in the slate quarries where he had like a, a bee layer with them um, with sky hooks so I don't you know who you know it's, it's, it's hard to say whether that's true or not but um but using them for protection now the the, the first thing is is you want to make sure that you have the strongest sky hook you can have so that would either be like a, a fish hook or it'd be like a leaper a leaper hook and there were some there were some great hooks made um by vermin um but he just sort of stopped making them and he he did hooks which are like ginormous like you could hook your head with them and uh, he had different sizes now I've got I I do have some of those and they're really really strong and they could take like a full on big fall but he, but he stopped making those like a long long time ago so they're really hard to really hard to find those. Um so but generally free climbers they would you know like you would if you're doing like some sort of really really scary route you might carry a hook and you might use it just to hook onto something to have a rest you know if you're absolutely that's what McFowler you know you know they said like mcfowler you know he would just hook it onto a flake if he was if he you know had no gear and he couldn't do anything else just to try and take the you know stop you from stop you from dying and uh to do that though you have to be you know you've, it's probably good to have an, an understanding of what you can hook onto and what you can't hook onto and what, what would work what won't work um but using a sky hook uh, for protection is is uh, is is more difficult and it's to, there's a lot of factors involved it's to do with how how far how much rope's out like how thick the rope is because that that's going to affect how much force is a, is applied and at what speed to the to the gear like if you were you know if, you, if you're 30 meters out from the b layer and you're 30 meters above a uh, sky hook and you fall onto it uh, as long as you're on a big, as long as you're not going to deck out, um, that's probably going to have less less impact potentially on the sky hook than if you were, um, you know, like one meter out and uh, one meter out from the B layer and five meters above the above the sky hook. So maybe that's not true, but anyway, it's good to believe these kind of things. And um, you know, a super stretchy rope. If you if you take a big fall on like a ten millimeter rope you're gonna you're gonna the peak load is gonna be much hot much greater than on like an eight millimeter rope so these so these are all kind of things to factor in and but they you know people do fall onto sky hooks and I guess a lot of climbers who are climbing routes where they need sky hooks are generally quite light climbers so they uh you know they can survive there's a really great i think it's a hard hardback theosaurus maybe is that a really great video from film Gogarth, where Johnny Dawes, I think he like leans, he like rests on a sky hook, and he just pops off, and he starts falling. He takes this like massive lob where there's all the gears like ripping out. I think he's got sky hooks, and they're ripping out. 
and it's quite it's quite scary and uh so you know if you if you had like an edge that, that's gonna that would hold the sky hook and you have the right rope like maybe you want to use like a a ripper slig then um, the big thing is about how to how to keep it in place because once you once you climb above it is it it's it might just like fall off it probably will just fall off just from the just from the rope so you like on a on a wall generally you would uh you would like gaffer tape the the gaffer tape into place like sometimes you can use like a, a piton or a nut or something like you it could be a really marginal nut like almost like it wouldn't work at all or a marginal cam but you could actually get a much stronger hook if you imagine like a a flake where it's very shallow at the back of the flake and there's no it won't take a nut it won't take a cam but you might be able to like hook and hook over the flake and then hammer a nut just to just to just to compress the tip of the tip of the, the hook to keep it in place and um you know like there's like the strength in numbers like maybe you might have like a you know have like a few hooks you know like two hooks there's a there's a pitch called like the journey through the brain on uh on um uh shortest straw that i've done where it was like it's like almost the entire pitch is like just sky hooks and on on there you might you know leave some i think i left some sky hooks for protection but to be honest like it, it's the, the hooking is so e- felt so easy that you didn't really you know you almost you know it's a bit like you know, if you're climbing well within your grade you can just like solo along with not putting much gear in it's, it's felt a little bit like that because you just felt like oh this is this is this is fine <laughs> maybe, maybe it won't feel like that if i did it again but um so so yeah so you 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 and you always have to be wary that if you if you fall on this flake you don't want to pull the flake off uh you know, that's that's going to be far more dangerous than taking a big fall but a lot, but most climbers, free climbers, who use sky hooks, are using them to avoid like decking out because there's anything else. Like again, like um, Indian face and is Indian face had a sky hook on it, sky hook protection. You know, basically, basically, it's all you've got really. And even if you even if you fall onto a sky hook and you know you fall and it starts slowing you down and then the sky hook pings off, like that could be enough to, you know. Uh, keep you alive or avoid like a, na- a nasty accident so they're they're useful um so other people use like blue tack you might stick some blue tack on the end of the sky hook and like stick it stick it into place uh not sure how effective that would be but then the gaffer tape's not that effective either uh because it because it's gonna um because the movement of the rope is the is the big problem you're probably best to uh hang something heavy off the sky hook like if you have a you know steel carabiner is like an ideal thing like a big steel screw gate or something that you use just for that kind of duty or hang some gear off the bottom of it that's heavy just to hold it in place and use gaffer tape and and all the other tricks necessary now one technique people do use is they uh have a have a third rope or second rope and they clip that into the sky hook and then the person on the ground tensions the hook down or the hooks down with that rope to hold it in place which is probably the you know the best one of the best ways of doing it but i guess you just have to you just have to be uh you just it shouldn't really 
it's, you don't want it to be like a false sense of security. It's like, oh, I've got that, like that, that, that hook there that's going to keep me safe. Uh, you know, because you might, you might think like if it was like a, like a copper, a copperhead or some really, really crap piece of gear, you you probably won't feel like that. And it's probably a copperhead may well be much stronger than the, you know, than the, than the skyhook are using. So, um, so yeah, so if it, if people are doing free climbing and they want to use a use a hook then uh then i definitely always recommend for protection to get like the moses like so, some moses now make like the leaper sky hooks so yeah like the moses hooks are the are the best for in terms of like strength and and everything else and you would like tie them off with something uh strong like a loop of like five mil um dyneema or something um uh, for for general climbing, the like the black diamond grappling hook, no black diamond um, cliffhanger is actually still a very good hook to use because it's not too, it's very light, it's not too big, it's not too small, and uh, you can tuck it in your harness and it'll stay out of the way if that if you want to do like Mick Fowler kind of style and it's kind of it'd be uh, kind of useful and. Uh, the grappling hook is very good, but it's more dedicated sort of big wall climbing thing, really. Um, like you never, you never know when, like on the say on the nose of El Cap, you never know when you might need. Like you, you shouldn't need a sky hook on El Cap, but when I've done, I think I've done the nose like f- five or six times, and I think one time there's a pitch, is like the there's the pitch which is the um, they call it the Lynn Hill Traverse. Uh, we invite instead of like climbing up and then doing a pendulum, you can just do this traverse across the wall, and there's like bolts every, every you know there's bolts going across the wall, but then they kind of run out and you've got to do some moves. And I think when we did like the winter, winter ascent of the nose, when we got to, when I got to the end, I had to like one hook move. I just couldn't do the, I just couldn't do the, it's like five ten something five ten something. But I just couldn't do the move, and I just I just did one skyhook move, and that allowed me to to step step up on something else, and I could do the route. So it's it's always a good thing to have. Like the class, the classic thing was the I think I wrote about this on my blog somewhere. Like the Andy Parkin escape kit. In the Andy Parkin, he always carried two bird beaks, two skyhooks, and two copperheads. I think, and he reckoned, you know, when the shit hit the fan. You would be able to get up something, you know, with these with these things. So, so yes, yeah, so that's the that's the world of the skyhook. So, do there any any interesting skyhook stories to tell? Um, uh, um, maybe I, maybe I forgot maybe I've forgotten them all. I do remember when I when I was doing the. Uh, when I was doing the sea sea of dreams, there was one bit where I was up in this corner, and it was like the tiniest little. It was like all copperheads, and then it was this tiniest, shitty, like a balance head. It's like a number one copperhead, which is brass, but it's like the size of, um, the size of a thick, uh, straw. Maybe not quite as thick as a straw. Like the actual copper bit was like, imagine like 10 centimetres of straw made out of copper and it was, I was hammered in. 
Anyway, but I just could not find what to do to get pa get past this section. And there was somebody over on another route that was a good 500 metres away. And because it was quite late in the evening, noise travels a long way. And I remember like shouting like, what do you do here? But you're like, ah, I don't. You didn't, you didn't understand what I was saying anyway. So I just fannied on there for for a good like few hours. Just could not work it out. Like climbing up, climbing down, climbing up, trying to work it out. See if it, there must be something there. Like other people have been up here. Something fallen off. Do I need to drill a, a rivet? You know, what should I do? And then eventually I just... Um, I just tied off the ropes and I abseiled down back to the belay and I slept the night and then I drew my back up again. And then uh, I just, again, like fresh fresh eyes, fresh legs, got up, was feeling around, feeling around. And I think I eventually, I got my, um, I got the sky hook and I, uh, like on my hammer, I have like Velcro at the top of my hammer near the hammerhead like wrapped around the, the shaft of the hammer and I velcroed on the uh, the sky hook, and I clipped my other aiders to it with the daisy chain, and I started like 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 scraping around the top of my reach, until eventually I could feel something. I could feel there was something there. Like you just you 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 know you you're you're thinking on like a granular level. Like you can you you can tell just by the feel that there is like a, there is a there's a flat edge, and then in the center of this flat edge, there's a there's a dint in the in the rock where Skyhook has been, and you're like hooking this thing on, hooking this thing on, testing it, testing it, testing it, and then eventually like that is it, and then I was like, so I pulled the pulled it that the hammer down, and the Velcro came undone, and then the hooks there, then you start like testing the hook, testing the hooks, because the your aiders are quite long, so you're standing on one on one copperhead, and you're putting your foot on the other one, and you're like pressing down pressing down pressing down just taking like you know probably half an hour just to get the balls to just like commit and just stand onto the onto the hook because you can't really do like crazy bounce testing if you're on a sky hook especially when you don't know what it's hooked onto and then you sort of step onto it and then then up you go so so yeah so it's uh whenever i don't know maybe it's a californian thing but whenever in doubt get high that's basically what you need to do when you're climbing uh when you're climbing big walls climbing el cap and things um i think on when i was on the troll wall as well there was a lot of uh there was quite a few in the, the route we did there was quite a lot of um bed beak bed beak holes and uh um, but they were drilled out with a with a um eight millimeter like a like a petzl's um, self-drive bolt kit which creates these massive holes which like must be like 10 mil holes you put your finger inside uh, but they were really hard that's the thing about like, bat hooking is bullshit basically you should just if you can drill a hole you should put like a bolt in it or you should put like a rivet in it because you might know where that you might know where you drilled a hole but nobody else is going to know because everything looks the same and especially because it, it was winter time you know you just you're up there and everything's covered in snow and you're trying to find this next bat hook hook back hook bat hook hole and you have to take your gloves off and you're like f feeling around and you know the the ice goes into the hole so you can't you can't find it it's like it's just total total bullshit so yeah it actually reminded me of um actually reminded me of on uh Ulvatana in antarctica um i ended up in this uh this big wide 
off with crack and I was kind of half aid climbing it half free climbing it and I got to this bit where it was kind of too steep you know it was it was uh the rock is absolutely bullshit horrible 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 crumbly rock like the crystal structure is massive and it's got uh, so much freeze thaw because it's Antarctica and I put this um what is it I had a, a I was hooking inside the crack so I found some sort of hook placement. I think I actually drilled a, I actually drilled a um a bat hook. So I drilled this hook, I drilled this hole, and I put the sky hook in and I stood on the sky hook and I sort of got up on onto it. And then maybe I maybe I actually drilled a few a few bat hook holes, which is kind of evil. But anyways, I drilled a few bat bat bat, bat hook holes. So yeah, I didn't have any gear, so you can't use a bat hook hole for gear really. And I'm standing on this bat hook hole, on this bat hook, and I'm like, I need to put in a, a tube chock, like a expandable big bro kind of, if you've seen one, it's like a, a tube, it expands out, and then it's got a collar, and you and you put it in, and you, you, you screw it tight, and it makes it like a rigid bar, and the, the and each end is um, is angled, so it means that the way you clip, where you clip in, there's some cord, is actually higher than the bottom, so it means that if when you fall on it, it kind of creates a leverage. So I started like fiddling with this, um, fiddling with this uh, tube chock. I was like, put, but the rock was so irregular and so um, crystalline that it was almost impossible to get it to 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 be flat on both ends. It was always like hanging up on one end, or you felt like the crystal might break. You know, the the big sort of crystals of granite. And I clipped my daisy chain in, my other daisy chain, because I didn't want to drop it. And I was doing like this, da, 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 and suddenly, like, bang, like the sky hook I was on, just the rock just broke because of the crystal. It just broke, and I fell straight onto the daisy chain, straight onto this um, tube chock that I was, like, fiddling with. And it just kind of, just kind of rammed its, just, like, locked itself in under the, under the force. It wasn't like a, it wasn't like textbook at all. It was just kind of just amazingly just like jammed in there when i fell onto it and i was like god that was that was close so i actually had a, i think i had i had a, f- a few falls in antarctica um bat hooking i took like a big fall yeah the same same kind of thing like it just like on on um at yosemite granite the crystal the crystals are very small so you the rock is really really hard where in antarctica it just wasn't like that at all it was just you know you couldn't couldn't pull on anything everything just broke off um the rock so so yeah so be careful with the be careful with the sky hooking um hopefully don't tell dave mcleod i said anything bad about him because he'll be i'm sure i'm sure david david have some interesting um interesting points of view on sky hooking uh on this on free routes and stuff so it seems to it seems to be uh, did there was a really good article on Neil Gresham as well on UKC? Not that, not even though I'm boycotting UKC, um, about doing a route. Maybe he had some sky hooks as well. But anyway, so hopefully this, this won't give you any nightmares, uh, and um, you know, and uh, have there any news? Um, no. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for people who've, who've given reviews on iTunes. Very much appreciated uh and i shall um if i've not sent you so if you do an i if you do review on itunes and email me i'll i'll send you a, a free copy of like drip my driven kind of book about 
pegging and stuff. Uh, pegging, that's not like a, that's not a sexual thing. Um, okay, until next time. Bye. Time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.